This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to the Football Insomniac Podcast. Uh, I'm delighted today to be joined by uh, two fantastic Irishmen here on St. Patrick's Day. We've got one from the north, we've got one from the south. It's Stephen from the Endless Celts Podcast and a face that you may be familiar with here on the Football Insomniac, Dave Claxon. Guys, how are you doing? And a happy St. Paddy's Day to both of you. I'm, I'm yeah, doing sure. fantastic, fantastically well. Thanks for having us on the show. I can't appreciate it. And nice to meet you, David, as well. Yeah, same. Happy St. Patrick's Day. We've, Happy uh, we've St. Patrick's Day, well. everybody. <laughs> we've done well. We've brought the north and the south of Ireland together here on the football insomniac. <laughs> Don't all go the down that route. All the politicians should take a look at this and see what can be done going forward. 
Uh, it's, it's, it's a nice joke and it's good to have you both here today. As you can see down the bottom of the screen, we will be discussing the big footballing story here in Scotland this week, which seems to be whether Roy Keane will return to management at Celtic. What we did have is we did have someone that was pro-Roy Keane coming to Celtic and we have Stephen here um, who will put the argument across that Roy Keane shouldn't be the Celtic manager. Unfortunately, um, the person that we did invite to come on to give his opinion on whether Roy Keane should be the manager uh, was unavailable. So I'll be playing devil's advocate and Dave will throw a couple of tidbits in here and there as well. And we'll see what kind of reaction we can get out of Stephen. Maybe we'll create a couple of memes along the line. Um, we'll also be taking a look. We'll also be taking a look at the news that broke this week that the Colt teams of Celtic and Rangers could be entering the lower leagues of Scottish football as early as next season. Is that a good move for Scottish football? Is it a good move for Celtic and Rangers? We'll discuss that later on. Stephen and David will be giving us their dream football dinner party. You may have heard David's before, so we'll quickly go over that. But Stephen, this is your first time on the podcast, so we'll be interested to see who you've got to to um, bring to the table. And finally, we will be showcasing a brand new podcast here on A State of Mind, hosted by the man to my, well, to my right as I see it, to my left as you're watching it, is Dave Claxon, and he'll be telling us all about his new podcast that launches on Friday afternoon. But obviously a big welcome to everyone who's watching us here on Facebook, on YouTube and on Twitter. Please give us a subscribe on YouTube if you're watching. We're just over 10.4k subscribers, I think it is now, which is fantastic. Obviously the big game coming up at the weekend in Scotland. If you are wanting to tune in, um, you will do so on a Celtic state of mind. We'll be live 30 minutes before the game at halftime and afterwards. Be sure to check that out and avoid seeing some pundits you might not be um, very happy with watching on Sky Instead, get the Celtic view over at a state of mind. But first of all, lads, let's go right into the main talking point, and it is Roy Keane. Um, it's a name that just doesn't seem to go away over the last couple of days. Um, he has been doing the games for Sky, but he's also apparently leaked some information to the press that suggests that if the Celtic job was to come up, then he would be interested in doing so. First of all, and Dave, I'll throw it to you first. What was your first thoughts as soon as you heard that news? Uh, I think it's football romanticism gone mad. Uh, it's taken to its its worst places. Uh, you know, I'm I'm Irish. I'm very proud of Roy Keane, what he did as a player. Uh, but the facts are, as a manager, like purely manager, not an assistant, uh, he coached 181 games, 70 wins, 69 losses. You're then talking about him coming to Celtic, where you're basically expected to win every game in the league in the cups that type of performance is just not going to cut it. Um, it's actually somewhat terrifying if the club uh, was kind of going to go down that route with Keane. He hasn't coached like as a, as a full kind of first team kind of coach since 2009. Games moved on a hell of a lot since then. And even at Sunderland, um, he, he kind of, he spent a lot of money, brought in Craig Gordon for 9 million um, didn't really pan out there. And again, Gordon did a great job for us, but that type of, uh, spending of money it's not really what Celtic need and I think if you look at Axam over the last couple of months it's very clear kind of a consensus of what's emerging we need a Celtic manager who's going to be good at recruitment who's going to be a lot calmer than Neil Lennon was and is tactically aware and if you just look at the facts and look at everything associated with Roy Keane none of that would probably be present in his character and that's mm-hmm. not really what we need right now yeah, and Stephen, obviously you are on, um, giving us the, the kind of against Roy Keane side as a Celtic fan. Um, 
I think you, you'll be joined by many, I believe, if you take a look at yeah. social media. Uh, but do you think he actually has the ability to be a coach, just maybe not at Celtic? Could he go and do a manager's job elsewhere? Well, I want to clear something up first. Um, last night we done our usual in the Cells podcast, and we got criticised after for basically them saying we attacked Roy King. But I didn't say it like that. We were just given points of why he shouldn't be manager. As David rightly alluded to, it's romantic. It's just a romantic thing for someone to think the Irish connection again, the links to Dermot Desmond. And we all know that he rejected the job uh, 2014, I believe. So it's just like he's thrown, thrown his name out into the hat. In, in, in regards to him being a coach, yes, I can see that. Maybe a number two again, along with someone like Martin O'Neill. But the, the way I look at it, Roy Keane has been a pundit. And he's a, he's a brilliant pundit, to be fair. But he's just he's just not for Celtic. I think it's just another Neil Lennon. Upgraded name, yes, of course, in world football. He's well-renowned, especially over here in Ireland. He's one of the biggest names coming to Ireland in regards to football. But it's... I mean, Celtic said I might always allude to it as well. It doesn't matter about the name. We need a coach, a coach that can bring the best out of our players. And if the players didn't react to the likes of Lennon um, shouting or trying to motivate them, they're not going to react to King. He's basically the same. He comes from the mm-hmm. same management school. And alluding to his managerial record, it's his win percentage is under, under 40%, which for any manager to be considered for an elite job, it, it shouldn't be happening. It doesn't matter what his name is, where he comes from, what's the connection with Celtic Football Club. In my opinion, it's a no-go. But... On the other hand, I can see the people saying, yeah, he would bring the motivation, but that might only last a couple of months and it's straight back to where we, where we left this season. The players just don't respond to it. Um, that, that's my take on it, Colin, at the moment. Like, So if we take a look at Roy Keane in a bit more detail, Dave, you already alluded to it. He's had 181 games in management, 100 of those at Sunderland, where he did win the uh, championship down there, and I think it was 2006, 2007. Um, and that's that's obviously a great achievement for a lot of managers to get out of that league is very difficult to win it is even harder um, he then moves on to Ipswich he has 81 games at Ipswich winning 28 drawing 25 lost in 28 not a great return there at all um, and as you said he's then went on to be a coach alongside Martin O'Neill first of all in the Republic of Ireland national team between 2013 and 2018 he was also at Villa for a short period of time and as well last uh, not last season now two seasons ago at Nottingham Forest now when you take a look at his playing accolades I mean seven Premier Leagues a Champions League and he's in the top 100 list released by FIFA of the greatest players of all time. It, you just can't deny that on the park, he was a fantastic leader, he was a fantastic player, and he gave everything for the team. Now, Stephen, the point you made there is it kind of goes with the fact that his demeanour comes across that he is very vocal, he kind of shouts at his players to try and get the best out of them. It's the sort of old-school approach that what you've seen from Sir Alex, what you've seen from uh, managers like Martin O'Neill, who worked alongside, was trying to get the best out of the players, not by using specific techniques, but just by like getting in their face, just trying to get 100% out of them. The fear factor, really, is what got the, the best out of those players. Now, I think that time has moved on. I don't think you see that many managers nowadays who are successful by adopting those fear tactics. But going on the flip side of that, he's been out of the job now for 10 years. He's been watching a lot of coaches. He has went and studied, I believe, at New, is it New York Red Bulls, I believe. He went to study there for a couple of uh, months. Is there a chance that he's perhaps 
developed more of a coaching side that we've just not seen yet because he has only been a number two. Maybe he could, ha- maybe he could have picked up some of these skills that he just needs that chance, and maybe the Celtic job is that chance to show he can be a good manager. I think yeah. it's. I mean, you, no, go on, Sam. I mean, well, Colin, you said about the the coaching side of things, he could have picked up tips, but what gives him the right to get his, his first chance again, the first crack, so to speak, at Celtic Football Club? We need to have a manager who's proven, who can get the best out of the players we have, because, I mean, the rebuild is going to be massive. There's a potential list of 18 players are going to be leaving, including all the Looney's and the squad players. So that, that again, it's going to be a massive job, and we can't take a punt on somebody who hasn't been in management in over 10 years. Granted, yes, he can learn, he can go and learn his trade again, but I just don't believe that Celtic should be his first crack back at the job. That just shows other managers who've actually tried and gained, like, gained the respect within the management world that them jobs come up is because they want to go to players with, who are famous in the world football. I, d- I don't know what you think about that, Lam, David. Yeah, I, I think it's, you, you have to look at it from the club's perspective. They, it would be so risky for them to give the kind of keys to Celtic Park to Roy Keane and a budget. Uh, you, you kind of look at uh, his second book, he said one of the, his busy, biggest uh, failings at Ipswich was recruitment. You look at uh, his entire managerial career, he spent over £100 million on transfers on 125 players. Um, and he only coached two teams for, what, nearly three or four seasons? Yep, um, at Sunderland, yeah, at, at Sunderland alone, he signed 38 players. So, again, you go back to the situation that we're in and what Stephen said. We're looking at a, a club that is in complete rebuild mode. We could be staring uh, down the fact of next season we might not win the league and we might still be rebuilding a year into the new manager in that role. Uh, and is Roy Keane, with the temperament he has shown to date, the right man for the job? I, I can't see it. You even look at more recently, you know, you, you talk about uh, he's he's gone to uh, New York, he's trying to upskill himself in terms of being a manager. Even more recently at Ireland, uh, the, the kind of hubbub uh, with Harry Arthur about faking injury Yep. That's really concerning stuff. Really, like, you know, you, you're kicking off with players who, and again, go back to the mindset of a player in this day and age. Most of these guys uh, play club football. That's where they earn their bread. Uh, international football is an add-on. So you're basically giving out to a player who's taken his time to play for Ireland. Uh, it doesn't look good. You even look at what Matt Doherty said when he left. He couldn't actually explain Keane's role uh, in the Irish setup. Again, that's very, very concerning. So, again, I think uh, you go back to what we're looking for uh, for the next Celtic manager, and Keane just doesn't tick the boxes. Does he deserve a job outside Celtic? Maybe. If if a team and his ambition is at the right level and he's willing to kind of uh, learn from the mistakes he, he admitted he made and kind of build himself back up, but there's no way he would get the, the Celtic job now uh, given what has come before. Yeah, and a big welcome to everyone who's watching us on Facebook, on YouTube and on Twitter and Periscope. Uh, just bringing this comment up for anyone that joined a bit late, Brian Conway, 60, you may have done so. Colin, you're clutching at straws. I'm not clutching at straws here. What I'm doing is I'm trying to play devil's advocate here. Both guys are against Roy Keane taking the job. I'm throwing some potential um, kind of bombshells out there to see what the guys would think. We did invite someone on who was pro Roy Keane to take the Celtic job but he couldn't be on the show today um, so I'm playing that devil's advocate role so if I give my personal opinion now um, although this isn't a Celtic podcast I would say it's Roy Keane 
is not the man for the Celtic job. But what we are going to look at is what could he do for Scottish football if he was to become the Celtic manager. Now, you've seen the attraction um, to the league that has been gained because Stephen Gerrard took the Rangers job. I mean, you see all these pundits that are now suddenly taking an interest in Scottish football. Sky have been completely all over it. Um, if you have that next season, where it's Gerrard versus Keane, what does that do to the Scottish game? Surely, Stephen, it just ups it to that next level. You'll see coverage from all over the world. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, Colin. I understand what you're saying in terms of Roy Keane versus Gerrard. I mean, that's a, that's a box office. That's, that's something you would get in the premiers of the English Premier League when they were playing. But a part of me doesn't like the fact that the English Premier League see us as like a playground for ex-players or a playground for managers trying to make their name. It shouldn't be like that. Celtic, Celtic is its own club in its own right. One of the biggest football names in world football, one of the big supporters based in world football. We, we can't be treated like a, a playground for ex, ex-pundits or managers who have a big name to come up and uh, try, apply their trade, so to speak. But yes... In regards to the the Roy Keane and Jar, hundred percent agree. If you can't, the the name of Scottish football will be out there, yeah, and mm-hmm. there'll be loads of people watching. You can you can almost guarantee there'll be people from like uh, world countries and come coming in to tune in to watch these matches. But I t- I'm really passionate about Celtic being their own club and their own identity because we've seen it for the years. English former English Premier League players come up, and they think it's going to be easy. They think they're going to see out the rest of their career and have a have a blast, but it doesn't it doesn't go like that in, in the majority of it anyway. Um I I still I just can't bring myself for any argument for Roy King to be the manager. I, I really can't. And it's it's me trying to scrape at the bottom of what I'm thinking. And <laughs> I, 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 I I can I can understand the box office element, but I go back to the whole thing again. I want this, the Scottish League to be their own league in their own right. We all know mm-hmm. that it's it's not the best league in the world, but we love it. It's our league. It's where our team plays. And the, the sooner the sooner the better that everyone kind of leaves the English Premier League in the distance and stops comparing it to that, it's going to be better and more beneficial to the clubs in the SPF. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Phil, um, I mean, for me, Colin, just Roy Keane's a no-go, David. I don't know, do you think it was the box office thing, but what, what do you think on that? I think David, actually, yeah. Oh, well, sorry, well, David, just before you start on that, just to let everyone know, you have an, uh, a background in PR. So, yeah. I mean, if you got given this opportunity to promote the Scottish League with Keane versus Gerrard, Liverpool versus Man United, that must be a dream for any PR sort of team. A hundred percent. I mean, the the storylines write write themselves, um, and the way Keane kind of goes on, even in terms of uh, his interviews with media, the famous one where uh, uh, 
journalist's mobile phone went off and he just kind of gave the the thousand yard death stare stuff like that like you know goes viral in this day and age and i think it hits upon what some, uh, Stephen said there. It's not even just uh, in, in Scotland where this is happening. You look at uh, Frank Lampard's time at Derby. You watch any Derby game, it was Frank Lampard's Derby. <laughs> We're talking about one of the most established team teams over hundred like over hundred years in in the UK, and they're just demoted to being Frank Lampard's team. And yep. again, you look at it from a, a pure communications aspect. It's a way to sell it. It's a way to get people to tune into a Derby game. It's the same for Jared, and it will be the same for Celtic. So I have no doubt if Roy Keane uh, kind of took over uh, at Celtic, there will be, in the initial phase, a huge awareness, absolutely ginormous, nearly like Martin O'Neill. But mm-hmm. you then have to couple that with success. No one wants to watch a losing team, particularly if you, you go to the Irish situation. And what I would always feel, and, and Stephen, feel free to jump in, in Ireland as, as a, you know, a pure Celtic fan, we are nearly fighting for relevancy because all of our friends support Liverpool, support Man City. They are obsessed with the Premier League. Um, and that has really happened over my life uh, lifetime, where when I was growing up, there were people who supported just Celtic. But the Premier League is so all-encompassing. It is on a global scale that as a Celtic fan, most of your friends support a second team. So if Roy yep. Keane did come in, undoubtedly the, your friends would be, whoa, this is amazing. Like I'm going to watch Celtic games, but then there'll be a drop off because they don't want to watch Celtic play Ross County. They don't, they just want to be there for the glory moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine. Listen, from a brand perspective for the club, if they buy jerseys, if they tune into our games, that's great for us. A hundred percent. We want as many people uh, feeling positive about Glasgow Celtic as possible. But the simple fact is if Keane can't, back up that box office kind of name there will be a drop off it's it's like anything yeah I, I think as well you're 100% correct there David uh, when I say to my friends I, I only support Celtic Football Club they can't grasp it as you said the English Premier League now so, it's so dominant in world football I mean you go anywhere in the world there's posters about it there's there's news mm-hmm. about it there's advertisements yep. about it and it, it becomes a bit diluted especially the other leagues and the SPFL has just been left behind in the distance that's why I'm so against the whole English Premier League using us as a playground for ex-players to go against each other. And as you quite rightly said, it was Frank Lampard's derby. That that's the whole that was the whole narrative about it. And I don't I don't want to be Roy Keane Celtic, Celtic or Celtic, and that's the way it always should be. Yeah, it's a great point, Stephen. It's, I'm just going back to what you were saying there, David, and just to follow up on it, you're talking about potentially like the Irish uh, fans who have fell in love with the English Premier League then starting to take a look at Celtic. Do you think that could also be the case for some players as well? I'm not talking about Irish players, I'm just talking about players in general. Players who idolised guys like Roy Keane growing up and getting the chance to go and work alongside them and play for them. Do you think that could encourage some players to Celtic Park? I think, flip it on its head, look at Gerrard. Gerrard obviously you know, kicked off his managerial career uh, at Rangers and he's built something there where uh, someone like uh, Joe Rebo came from Charlton um, and he saw a path with Steven Gerrard because it looked like Gerrard was getting, year on year, the team was somewhat improving. In Europe, you couldn't deny the, the performances. And you look at someone like that, he saw a path to winning trophies, to playing in Europe. And that's what Celtic and Rangers uniquely can offer to players like that. And the thing is, there's too much baggage with Keane. That's the major difference between him and Gerrard. 
you look at all the falling outs he has had, Harry Arthur, the comments from Matt Doherty, all the the massive blow-ups at Sunderland, the same at Ipswich. You compare the two and it's like, again, you, you go back to that central fact, these guys have no emotional attach, attachment to Celtic. So it's their career they're looking at uh, purely. They want to win trophies, they want to play in Europe. Who offers them the, bet, the best path to do that? Well, obviously right now, Rangers do because they won the league. Uh, they look in far better shape than we do. We're in a rebuild phase. So it, I can see the attraction, but you, again, players aren't, aren't fools. They want to know where their career is going in a couple of years' time. And Jared offers, at this moment in time, the best path to be successful. Yeah, and I'm just going to bring this point up, sorry, from uh, Maravchik25, who says, Brand Gerard attracts players. Mick Beal is the football brains. Now, it's referring to Michael Beal, who is the, the coach at Rangers. You've also got guys there like Gary McAllister, and they've got a fantastic um, kind of football headhunter um, who goes out and scouts these players for them. Stephen, I'll throw that one out to you. Imagine Roy Keane does get the job. He would have to have a coaching staff similar to what Gerard has at Rangers to be any sort of success at Celtic, wouldn't he? You'd need to get the recruitment yeah, right. But I, I agree with what David was saying. Yes, you can you can idolise a player and want to play for him, but when you look at his track record, all the fall nights he's had, that points to one thing. He doesn't like anyone undermining him or going against him. Any any player who would do that would be punished probably and they'll fall out and there's a conflict already within the club. Regarding the coaching staff, do you really think Roy Keane would be comfortable with people being the tactical brains in front of him? He would want to be head, head and centre, making the decisions on players. I don't think he'd be comfortable with that kind of setup. And the whole director of football thing, I don't think that would suit Roy Keane because he's his own man. You've seen it mm-hmm. over the years. He, he goes against the trend, so to speak. If he got the job, you get, David's right, you would see an influx, an influx of positivity for about two or three months and then it'll drop off. Players will start to realise... This is just what we had before. As I said before, Alcon, it's just an upgraded name within world football. And if you look at Gerard, Gerard to me, he's not really on the sidelines. He's not really a shouter. Yes, sometimes he would get up and motivate his team. But Michael Bale is publicly known for many ex-Rangers players that played on to that um, management team that he's the brains. But for me, Gerard's happy with that. He's happy with just being like the figurehead and letting the, the coaching staff do, do the job, so to speak. But Roy King, for me, um, Colin, he, he, I don't think he'd be happy with someone making decisions over him. Yeah, I think that would be the case. I mean, you've seen he's always struggled, I think, um, with figures of authority. The only person that was really able to command Roy Keane was Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, and even at times between them, the relationship was rocky. So uh, you come in, you've now bringing in a new um, chief executive at Celtic with Dominic Mackay coming in. Potentially the, the club are looking at bringing in a new director of football, then throwing Roy Keane into that mix. Uh, I, I think it's just got the potential to explode and it's not the way that Celtic fans would want it to explode. I'm sure other teams across Scotland would love to see that happening because it would be a media dream for a lot of people. Um, But yeah, I mean, if you're a Celtic fan, you you don't really need that. Not after what's happened this season, not after what's happened over the last 12 months. Celtic have regressed to the point of probably before Neil Lennon first took over. If you look at the performances this season, this is like a a Mowbray team, the way that things ended up. Um, and you want to rebuild and start putting those blocks together. I feel as if Roy Keane, if he was to come in, could just completely damage what's left of the foundations there. Um, and some yeah. people will see that as a good thing because it's a rebirth. Um, and others will say, well, 
I don't want to be waiting three or four seasons before Celtic get back to the level that we we know that they should be at. Um, so, I mean, Roy Keane, there's obviously other names that's now came out over the last couple of days, and we'll be discussing that on the Celtic State of Mind Bulletin at half 12, um, including the comments today from Jesse Marsh, um, mm, the Red Bull manager. That was a really interesting interview. Um, so we'll be discussing more about that. But a point I brought up earlier, and I just want to throw it out to you guys, there is another opening in Scottish football. And someone brought this up earlier in the comments, and I can't scroll through to find it, but the Aberdeen job is open. Is Roy Keane a good enough manager to even take over at Aberdeen? I'll throw it to you first, Stephen. Well, I was actually, I, I, I was thinking about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I genuinely was that, you know, go back to Keane, if he has to build himself back up, uh, why not a, a job like Aberdeen or uh, if there was another job like Motherwell or one of those type of jobs where he can come in, play it old school if he wants, give the team uh, a real kick in and just get them performing <laughs> and he can build his reputation back from there. Uh, Aberdeen, maybe because of what came before with McInnes, he's a very stable kind of manager there. He was, he was there for years. He kind of built something good there and then it kind of went off the boil. Maybe not that job, but another job within Scotland, I think, is realistic for Roy Keane mm-hmm. uh, if he wants to build up from there. Yeah, Stephen, well, Keane to Aberdeen, do you think he'd be interested? Well, the, the way I look at Aberdeen's squad, I think they'd be more receptible to a manager like King. There's hard You wouldn't really say there's any divas in Aberdeen's squad. They're all the tough guys. You look at them on the pitch, they're tall, do you know what I mean? They're, they're physical. Um, I think maybe they would respond more to a manager like that, a man manager to someone to give them the kick up the bum, so to speak. But if any team wants Keane, they can take him as long as it's not Celtic Football Club. That's what that's what I'm put, that's what I'm putting out there. If any if any club wants to take him on for a play, Aberdeen might be a destination where he can rebuild himself, or even the lower leagues of England. That could be a possibility. But Aberdeen, yeah, I, I would say why not? The, the players seem to be Derek McKenna's probably man manager too, isn't he? He would be, and then you have your man Tony Doherty beside him. But I think Keane maybe for Aberdeen, yeah, that would be a good shout, Colin. I actually didn't, I didn't even think about that myself, but yeah, that's a, that's a good shout. I mean, my friends um, who run the Red Tinted Glasses Aberdeen podcast, they managed to get one of their friends on Skybet in as far as 7-1 to one to be the Aberdeen manager. Someone that wasn't even a coach, he wasn't even a manager, they got him in at 7-1. to one. So, I mean, we're going to put that out here and let's see where Keane ends up for the Aberdeen job at the end of today. I want him mm-hmm. closer than 7-1, to one, so get your bets in for Keane for Aberdeen. <laughs> And then him and Mika Richards up at Pitoju on a wet yes. Wednesday night against Ross County. I mean, that, yeah. that's better than watching them doing some punditry for Sky Sports at the weekend. That's box like office that. now. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, Keane is a fantastic pundit and he was a fantastic player. Um, but not all great players become great coaches. And I think this is just this, as you were saying earlier, Dave, it's this sort of romanticism to get Keane to be the fantastic manager and um, he's, he's Alex Ferguson's boy. He's been brought through. He said the guidance of Martin O'Neill, but so, sometimes you just got to put your hands up and say he can't do it. And I think this is a case here, Rikin. Yeah, totally. I think it's uh, excuse like the the bad pun, but Roy of the Rovers again gone mad. Uh, <laughs> it's just uh, who what Celtic fan wouldn't love to see Roy Keane win a championship uh, to make Celtic successful in Europe. And to win at Ibox and all that, it is, you know, the, the things dreams are made of. But again, you go back to the facts of where the club is, where Roy Keane is, it just doesn't match up. And that's unfortunately the situation, and that's just the way it goes. Stephen, yeah. I'm going to bring this one up and see what your thoughts are on this. 
Shuckster says Lennon for Aberdeen. What, what, what would you make of that? Neil Lennon up in the Aberdeen job. Like, I'm not laughing to be disrespectful, but that just took me by surprise. There. I think I think Lenny, I mean, he said he wants to get back into football. I think he said that in Five Live when he did the, the commentary in the, the Champions League game for United, Manchester United. And yeah, you could see that. I mean, what about a Lenny, Mickey Richards and Roy King dream team? I never know. But uh, <laughs> yes, I want Neil Lennon to do well. I, I do. I've said that on my podcast. It was nothing disrespectful towards the fella. He's a legend for Celtic Football Club. He always will be in my eyes. It was just unfortunate it had ended. It should have ended sooner. We all know that. But it did end and hopefully we get a fresh start. I, I wish Neil Lennon well. And if he gets the Aberdeen job, fair play to him. I think that would be a good platform for him. He's managed Tibbs in the, the Scottish League and he's done quite well uh, up until the end anyway when he got let go by Leanne Dempster. But I, I can see I can see that happening. I, I also... <laughs> Touched upon Aberdeen, you've seen the rumour about Scott Brown going as assistant. I think that's died down now. I think that's gone. Mm-hmm. I think that was just paper talk. But Roy Keane, Mick Richards, that would be a good good partnership. You, you look around, Mick Richards doing TikToks on the side of the pits. That would be quite funny. And then you, <laughs> you have Roy Keane there. But yeah, either, either two of them, I think Aberdeen would do quite well to get them. Also as well, as, as you pointed out before, players who want to play up there, they can offer them a good wage. And their objective every year is to try and win a cup and finish third. So I think that would be manageable, yeah. So I'm just going to leave this on one last question on Roy Keane. And I'm looking for fans of other teams that watch. Like We've had a couple of Manchester United fans that have watched before. Some fans of the English Premier League that do watch the show. Um, uh, so I'm going to put it to you. Roy Keane gets the Celtic job. Mm-hmm. What is the impact on the season ticket renewals this summer? Stephen, you first. <sighs> I think... David's right. There, there will be an influx, no doubt about it. The name itself speaks. Roy Keane's a world-renowned name in football. But the, in terms of season tickets, there's a lot of fans that say they wouldn't renew. But you know, at the end of the day, the addiction, it's, a, it's an addiction that's a way of life to sell. Like most of them will renew anyway, regardless of who it is. I don't think 90% of the fans want Roy Keane. That's obvious. And I hope the Celtic board listen and Desmond doesn't start pulling the Irish connection so, uh, string, so to speak. But the season ticket renewals for me, they will still be steady enough. I'm not going to say they're going to drop through the floor unless we get John Kennedy in. That would be the worst, the worst decision they could make at 100%. But, yeah, I think David's right in what he earlier said. There have been an influx of other supporters of other teams getting interested and therefore kind of boosting ticket sales and stuff. But that will die off, and it will die off over a period of probably three to four months when people realise it's just the, the norm of last season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, David, obviously we've been starved of football for the last sort of, it'll probably be close to 18 months by the time the stadium's open back up. Would a name like Roy Keane attract season ticket renewals at Celtic? Yeah, I think you might get the initial kind of boost. And the the thing is, I, the way this season has gone, Celtic fans have a very kind of defined thinking, like the, the majority of Celtic fans, of what they want from the next manager. And while Keane with the profile and everything, the Irish connection, you might get more fans coming over from Ireland for the games as well. So maybe not in terms of pure kind of season tickets, you might get more kind of uh, fair weather fans, if you want to call them that, at the games, fine. I think you'd probably get the, the usual people renewing, but then there'd still be a huge degree of unhappiness again. He's he's basically Neil Lennon, Mark II, uh, mm-hmm. just his kind of characteristics. Same problems would rear their heads. And then you're you're looking at a, a season again when people maybe might be back in the, the stadiums and you're coming time to renew, renew. You've had Neil Lennon this season we've all endured. Roy Keane, uh, probably not going to be a great season. And then you're asking people to renew again and the club could be in an even bigger mess. And that's when yep. it's kind of, that's that's a very critical phase when maybe people 
who who would normally re- renew wouldn't. I mean, yeah. it will definitely be an interesting one to look at over the, the summer period. Um, I, I, personally, I don't think Roy Keane will become a manager again. I think when you take a look at the wages he's probably on at Sky, the job that he gets to do, he gets to go around and give his opinion, and basically nobody's able to give him a, a sort of retort to it. I mean, you, you'll see it on social media, but I don't even think he's on any other social media platforms, to be honest with you. So he believes everything he says is gospel, and you've seen the arguments he's had with all the different pundits, and it's a cushy number. I mean, why would you give that up to maybe, as we were just saying, end up at Dingwall on a wet Wednesday night when he could be in the warmth of a studio at Old Trafford or at Anfield? So um, I think the Roy Keane thing, you're always going to have that connection with former Celtic players and Celtic fans when the Celtic job is open. Um, I'm sure it's the same for every other team. You see it when potentially Klopp was in trouble there at Liverpool, that Gerrard's name get thrown in, and I think even Rangers fans will admit that Gerrard's not ready to take that Liverpool job right now. Um, so, David, you're saying there's a sort of romanticism about it when the job comes up. It's time for the boyhood fan to come home. But no, I, think, um, I don't think this one will be a runner, but... You know what happens? The name gets put in the press and then we end up doing podcasts like this that end up talking about it. So um, the people that are selling the newspapers have certainly done their job. Um, and we've seen, I'm looking at the comments and most of them I'd say for the Celtic fans are probably 95% against Keane coming in. There's the odd one or two that would be wanting Roy Keane as manager, but I don't think that ship will come to sail. Um, so we're going to move on to our next topic um, today. And it is an interesting story that came out on the BBC yesterday. Um, So basically, for anyone that isn't aware, there is a vote taking place next month. um, And that vote will be to extend League Two in Scotland to include both the Colt teams of Celtic and Rangers, as well as two teams from the Highland League and two teams from the Lowland League to make up a 16-team league in the lowest league in Scottish professional football. Um, the maximum age for these Colt teams will be 21 years old um, and they're not allowed to promotion past League One. So it's very similar to the model that's adapted in Spain where you see Real Madrid and Barcelona, I think Sevilla and Atletico also have their B teams in the lower leagues. Um, they will not be able to compete in the League or the Scottish Cup but they can play in the Challenge Cup. Um, and Celtic and Rangers, who will no doubt finish first and second in Scotland for the next five years unless something miraculous happens, um, are foregoing £290,000 of their prize money each season to fund this for five years. It's a five-year project to include these Colt teams in the bottom league of Scottish football. Stephen, I'll throw it to you first. As a Celtic fan, would you be excited to see the likes of um, the Celtic Colts maybe going to Stenhouse Muir on a Saturday? Would you go to that if Celtic weren't playing at Celtic Park? Well... To be honest with you, Callum, I'm a big, big supporter of the youth academy. I think it's been lost over recent years. And I made the point last night in our End of Sales podcast that the youth academy, when the reserve league was scrapped, it's just kind of been left in limbo. And if you look at through the years, like some Maloney, Ian McGeady, like through the reserve league, it didn't do no harm. So any competitive football for the Colts would be a welcome addition because then you can maybe see players progressing. I think the lower leagues in Scotland are a perfect way to play your trade. In regards to going to certain teams like Stenhouse, Muir, Alloway, whoever it is at the time, yeah, I think fans would go. Me, me personally, would be a bit difficult because I'm over in Belfast. But yeah, if I lived, yeah. if I lived there, I'd be, I'd go because I'm interested in them. I want to see the legs of Armstrong, Ogoflax, Carmogo Dembele, and unfortunately, these guys are going to be leaving. Well, seems to be leaving anyway, and that's unfortunate. That the youth academy has been forgotten, and yes, you can point to the likes of McGregor, Tierney. 
Forest, for example, but they're, they're like the earlier years of, of the 20, 2010, 2011 coming through. Recent years, there's been basically nothing coming through, and that's quite disappointing for a club like Celtic. Bar Stephen Wells, who got his chance by luck, and we all know that, and he's done well. Mm-hmm. And I hope he stays with the team, especially next season. I think he's going to be important going forward. But in regards to the, the lower leagues, I, I think it's a great idea just to get competitive football. And as well, it will boost revenue in the lower leagues for clubs, and that, that can boost our facilities, boost our training grounds. So it's a welcome addition from my point of view, yeah. Yeah, David, just on that last point that Stephen was making about boosting the revenue, obviously we've seen the, the, the proposal that each team would get at least £20,000 extra, but do you think that could drive for a lower league television deal? Because you know there'd be fans of Celtic and Rangers that would want to see their coat teams playing in these games and see how they're progressing, and at the minute there's no TV deal for the lower leagues. Surely someone like BT, Sky, even Premier Sports would be interested in picking that one up. Yeah, definitely. And it could even be, uh, if there was no interest from uh, broadcasters like that, it could be uh, Rangers and Celtic bolting it on to Celtic TV um, and paying more money for it. And that would make sense because, uh, again, you think of where we are now in terms of the digital era, it's all about content. And, you know, a a live game, Celtic playing Stenhouse Muir, you will get fans tuning in because they want to see who the next kind of superstar coming through in the Celtic team will be. So even if that, say, that interest from a BT wasn't there, the club can definitely pick it up. It won't be that expensive. I, I, I think it's a win-win for, for everyone. I think uh, it provides a path for players to be developed. Uh, it works in other far more established kind of football countries, uh, if, if you want to say that, Germany, Spain, even in Croatia, which is an interesting kind of uh, uh, idea. If you're looking at Scotland in terms of uh, population and, and Croatia, you look at the players that have been developed in Croatia, in incredible quality. Um, but again, if you can just create a, a pipeline or a, a pathway for players to develop, that's great for the clubs, obviously. But say Stenhouse Muir make more money from broadcasting rights, maybe more fans, as you said, uh, with Celtic fans going to the, to the games as well. I think it's a win-win for everyone. And it, it probably should have been done or thought about a while ago. Yep. It's an interesting one for me because the discussion is that this would start next season. So it's not as if this is two or three years down the line. This is next season we're talking about. Um, and that kicks off in only a matter of months. So if we're able to process this through for next season, I think it's massive in terms of Scottish football. Having a 16-team lower league, although it adds um, more teams to the professional setup. You also see that a lot of these teams in the Lowland League and the Highland League are heavily investing money into their, their setup so that they are ready to make that move up as well. Um, we take a look at teams like Kelty Hearts, Barry Ferguson's a manager, they're, they're getting guys that were in the Championship last season to play for them. Uh, Brora Rangers, they've been knocking on the door of getting promoted to the League 2 now for a couple of seasons. I think that can only benefit Scottish football. And then you take a look as, um, as what you're saying, Stephen, about Stephen Welsh. Stephen Welsh went on loan to Morton and mm-hmm. he played, I think it was a dozen or so games. My Morton, uh, friend fans will, uh, my Morton fan friends will be annoyed that I don't know that stat off by heart probably. Um, but he then, he then comes in and only plays a handful of games for Celtic. So his development isn't quite at that level. But if you take a look at them, if they're going down to the likes of League 1 and League 2 to play teams like Queen's Park, like Cove Rangers, um, mm-hmm. even like Brecon, that is that gap filled between development football and first team football because you're actually playing against guys that have been playing football now for a number of years um, yeah. and will know all the tricks of the trade and I think that can only be good for these youngsters um, and hopefully help their development between 
the development team and the first team and you start seeing more players come through because for the last couple of seasons, Stephen, that's really not been the case across both Celtic and Rangers. I think it's quite fatal, Colin, in years, especially during this rebuild, that the youth academy is on sync with the first team in terms of tactics, formations, the way they're coached. Because you see the likes of Ajax, Barcelona, their youth teams are drilled right through and there's a there's a pathway. It seems like you get to the, the developmental squad at Celtic and you're kind of just left there and you get your chance by luck, you'll stay in like Stephen Welsh has done. That wasn't the pathway for him. Celtic had to resort to that because our defence was injured and Shane Duffy, people like that, didn't perform. He, he came in and he's done well. Fair play to the fella. He's a, he's a good young defender. In regards to the teams in the lower leagues, look at teams like Edinburgh City, East Kilbride. They are pumping money into, into their squads and their facilities. They want to make something of themselves. And granted, it's under-21s coming into their leagues, but these players will be good enough for that league and they'll add a competitive edge to it as well. You, you look at the comments that, I heard Marvin Bartley said about Celtic's youth players when he played against them for Livingston. He was surprised by the lack of quality. That that strikes me because who, what's going on in the coaching pits? I I know there's Steve McManus and people like that doing it, but sometimes there needs to be a clear pathway from youth right through to the first team. Because when you go into the first team and they're playing totally different tactics and coaching styles to what you're used to, you're going to be in the deep end and you're not going to make it. And the lower leagues for me, yes, but as long as it's fine-tuned with the first team at Celtic Football Club, as long as it's the same kind of way we're playing, the same formations, the same ideas, which is vitally important for the director of football to get correct and the management team, because going forward, as the Brexit comes into play, the transfer market we're going to be um, fishing in is going to be, going to be low in terms of what we can afford, so the youth academy need, need to be on point. Yeah, and Dave, I mean, you take a look at it, Across Scottish football, a lot of the talent that we see across the teams all come from um, Celtic and Rangers. They bring them through their youth academies. Um, there's obviously some of the bigger names uh, that have went on to make a, a fantastic career for themselves, guys like Billy Gilmore. You see the German teams coming in and taking players from Celtic. We even look at the players that's coming through right now at Rangers. There's Nathan Patterson at right back. Um, they've also got Dapo and Booty up front. Celtic have brought through guys like Kieran Tierney over the last couple of years. You see it even now um, with Karamoko Dembele. Although he's not been given a chance, he's always been touted as that next big thing. Scott Robertson at loan down south. You think that even if these players are then playing at a League 1 and League 2 level, if they don't make that step up to to play for the first team, they'll have that experience against playing teams like Queen's Park and they suddenly become an option for these teams and an option to help develop their careers and make sure that once they get let go from Celtic and Rangers, that's not where their football journey ends. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think um, it, the thing that kind of strikes me about uh, Celtic and Rangers at, at the youth level right <clears throat> right now is the players haven't even been tested. You know, they're, they're playing glorified reserve games, friendlies nearly half, half the time. The players haven't been really battle-tested. So how can you expect them then to uh, step up to the first team if they haven't really played at any decent level? Um, and the other thing to say is uh, a benefit could be for Celtic and Rangers that by these games being televised, by them playing uh, these teams, they might spot a player, they might spot a prospect and bring him into the mm-hmm. fold. Yeah, so again, it, you know, it, there's a lot of benefits there uh, from kind of progressing players on. And again, you could have maybe... a a kind of 16-year-old player, 17-year-old player play two seasons at that level and then you loan them out to Kilmarnock and the player progresses on. And then finally, three years of proper football, they're ready to come back and try at Celtic. You have a, you've at least assessed properly what the player is capable of. 
at this moment in time, we're not able to assess these players at all. Uh, as, as Stephen said, uh, young Welsh came through. It was more luck than anything else. There was no plan behind that. That's what we, Celtic Rangers and loads of other clubs need to get better at. There has to be a path for these players to develop uh, and then to bring them into the first thing. If they don't make it, that's fine. But if, they, if they're not even tested or they're not even given the, uh, the pathway to improve, how can they make that step up? It's just not realistic. Yeah, and this is a topic we're actually also going to be discussing on a Celtic State of Mind at half twelve. Um, when I'm joined by Amy Canavan, and Amy actually works behind the scenes at Bonnie Rig Rose. Um, so I'll be interested to see the input from the lower league teams uh, to the point of maybe Celtic and Rangers coach just being thrown in at League Two instead of having to go through that system. But I want to bring this point up by Charles Sweeney, who says, I don't think you can just have a rule for just Celtic and Rangers. What if Aberdeen want a coach team? Now, I think that's a great point. Surely there is better, or I say better, equal strength youth academies that's coming through. You take a look at Hamilton, who they've brought through. I think they actually ended up playing in the Europa Youth League as well because they'd won the the Reserve League. Um, It's not just Celtic and Rangers that are bringing through these talents. Could teams like Aberdeen, Motherwell, Hibs, Hearts, could this be the first step to maybe introducing them into the lower leagues as well? Stephen, I'll start with yourself. Well... (laughs) As touching upon in terms of the 16-team expansion in League 2, I think the SPFL should be a bigger league, but I know that's a discussion for another podcast. In regards to the cults, this could be another example. If every team wants to start a cult team, why don't they do a cults league? Therefore, they're not affecting the League 2. But if it's only a select amount of uh, football clubs in the SPFL that want to do cult teams, try and include them in the setup, expand the league at the 18 teams. I mean... I think you're correct. Hamilton and Aberdeen have great like youth academies. Hamilton bring players through every year simply because mm-hmm. they can't afford they can't afford the same players off their own bat. They bring they bring through some fantastic players. A young centre back Hamilton at the minute, he seems to be the next one coming up. So I think I think there is scope for them teams to have a, a Colts team. But on the other side of it, a lot of teams folded their reserve the reserve football because they couldn't afford to keep it on. So mm-hmm. you, you don't know how many teams are going to be up for that. The likes of Aberdeen probably, maybe Hibs, yeah. And another thing, to touch upon the, the Celtic season past the paradise, people talk about out of value. Why don't they include, as David rightly said, the Colts team in that? So next season, put that on the package and people might, people, people might like that. I know I certainly would. I think, as you rightly said, David, people want to see the next superstar. They want to see the next Kieran Tierney. They want to see the next McGeady who's on the wings taking players on. That's what excites me as a fan. I want to see the youth players. But yeah, I think you're correct. I think teams like Aberdeen and Hamilton, they should be given an option, definitely. Yeah, and David, I think this is a first step and we'll probably see this expand as the years go on. Yeah, I think so. And, and what uh, what you said about Aberdeen, Hibs, I think if the money's there and the club wants to do it, uh, say in the, in the top division, why not? You've you got to look at what the, what the benefits are. There, I can't really see many negatives to this. You're, you're creating a pathway for players to develop all across Scotland. Um, that's a really good thing. You could have the, you know, uh, a future superstar for, for the Scottish national team um, kind of kicking off uh, his career at that level. So why not? If the, if the clubs uh, want to do it, the money's there, they should be able to do it. And I think it will be a benefit to the Scottish game overall. 
Yeah, and it's definitely one to to, take, to keep an eye out for because the vote will take place next month. If it's implemented for next season, I think it will be a big success. Um, and it yep. looks as if both Celtic and Rangers are going to fund it for five seasons. So we'll be able to see how that goes over the next five years. Maybe after that, Aberdeen, Hibs, Hearts, they'll all look to um, do that. And it'll probably require a full restructure of the league set up in Scotland. So... Um, I think it will be good, but we'll have to see how it goes over the next couple of years. Um, so, yeah, a big welcome to everyone who's joining us on the Football Insomniac. Um, uh, there'll probably be a lot of people watching for the first time, thanks to probably Stephen joining us here from Endless Celts. Um, and, David, you've been on before and we've had this discussion. And for anyone that's watching for the first time, I always like to ask my guests uh, a quite an interesting question. And you find out a lot about your guests by asking this one. Um, and it is the topic of the dream football dinner party. Now, Dave, when you were on a couple of months ago, you told us the four people that you would have over to your house. Just for anyone who's watching and doesn't know Dave, Dave is actually over in the United States of America right now. Um, there's probably less restrictions over there than what there is here in the UK and Ireland, so you could have these people over probably right now. Remind <laughs> yeah, us who, that's it. who is the four people from the world of football, either dead or alive, that you would have at yours because we are bringing them back for 24 hours only? Yeah, for sure. It uh, my my guys previously, and I haven't changed my mind on this. Uh, Maradona, it's probably on everyone's list. Uh, Eamon Dunphy, the famous Irish pundit, uh, a bit of a, a keen type uh, temperament. Uh, Wim Janssen, obviously for what he did for Celtic, and then uh, Jean uh, Marc Bosman because of his impact on on the world of football. And remind me, what is it that you were cooking? Uh, I think I was actually getting a takeaway because it was really lazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's probably the best idea. As I said, I always go back to Ewan Boyle, who was the former uh, Morton social media manager, and he was cooking cheese toasties. So that was the bar, and everything above cheese toasties was a win. Um, and he knows that as well. He always ribs me for it. Um, so, Stephen, this is your first time on the show. Who is coming over to the Tomlinson household for the dinner party? And most importantly, what's on the table for them to eat? Right, I'll start with what's on the table. I, I'm not a good cook, so a couple of pop noodles, some toast. I mean, they can fire on. <laughs> well, I think you've now got a bit of a competition here for the, <laughs> for the most interesting food selection. But they can choose what pop noodle. I mean, there's different kinds out there. That's, oh, that's well. very exciting. Nah, that's you know it, for, for me... My first guest would be Slatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, I think that guy is just immense. Uh, he's come back to the Sweden squad. Uh, his announcement was God, uh, God has returned. So that guy speaks for itself. Um, I'm going to go for Bertie Ald. I think his stories would be fantastic and he's funny. I've spoke to him a few times when I've uh, been over at Celtic Park. So he's he's always a good laugh. Diego Maradona's on my list. As you rightly said, uh, David, he's on everybody's list. The guy was just a, a football enigma. He, he's fantastic. Probably one of the best footballers that ever lived. He is one of the best footballers that ever lived. And my last one's Paolo Di Canio. I don't think he would be happy enough with me putting pap noodles, but I'll give him an Italian option, maybe a, a make rave lasagna. But yeah, it's just for his passion, his passion, his fire. I think it'd be interesting to hear his stories. I've heard a lot of people speak about him on different podcasts. I think it'd be very exciting to have him. So yeah, that's my, my four for my dream football dinner party. I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting selection. You go from... The, the Lisbon Lion of Betty Old through to the almost enigma you could say of Paolo Di Canio um, throwing in a bit of Maradona in there as well. It's a, it's a great selection. What was going? What were you thinking about when you were picking your four to come over? What was the the idea? Because well, obviously you've got to try and picture this being a real thing. Yeah. You've actually got to picture them coming to your house. Do you think they would all go yeah. on? 
I think I think there's different personalities in there. I think Bertie Olhey would be the story man. The other guys would listen. The Canio would come in with his usual, his passion, his his words that he says sometimes that are off the cuff. Diego telling his football stories and Slatan just being Slatan. He'd probably just sit there and say nothing and tweet later on that he came and he made it. So yeah, that, that's that's the way I'm looking at that. And yeah, you just mentioned as well Zlatan Ibrahimovic coming back into the international setup. I mean, he's 39 years old. How how long can he play for? I mean, uh, coming back and uh, when you get to the sort of age of 32, a lot of players say, right, my international career's over. No one really comes back at the age of 39 to play for the country, do they? Uh, well, it's it's Zlatan, isn't it? I think he does the size when he he wants to turn up. He does he just knocks on the trainer trainer ground door and he's in anyway. I think there, there's strikers. How do we notice? There's only a couple. Uh, Alexander Isaac, he's a young striker coming through. He's going to be a good one by the looks of it. And then you have Marcus Berg. I think Celtic fans know him from playing him a few times. So I think him coming back in isn't really a surprise. If he makes himself available, any team's going to take him. He's been fantastic this season in Serie A for AC Milan. So I don't see no re- reason why not. And in terms of how long he can keep playing, Whenever he wants to quit, really, that's up to him. <laughs> David, 16 goals in 21 games for Milan this season. He retired after Euro 2016. He just feels as if he could go on forever, doesn't he? Oh, totally. He uh, he said about his time in America, it was a total waste of time, uh, like that he should have been playing at a higher level. And, I mean, you you can't deny what he's done uh, this season uh, for, for AC Milan. Um, second in the, in the table, he's been a key part of that. So, uh, I mean... Uh, the guy, the guy is timeless. Uh, and if you're talking about uh, maybe if if he wanted one last season when maybe the legs were getting, uh, he was really starting to struggle. Maybe Celtic, maybe one season. <laughs> I mean, you, you talk about Roy Keane. That's box office. That time come to Celtic. Box office definitely. So David, I'm going to get your thoughts on Stevens four after I bring this one up from No Doran. Big Jock, Cantonaz, Latan and Chris Sutton with steak sandwiches Ooh. on the table. I'm like a big that. fan of a steak sandwich myself. Uh, David, on Stevens 4, what do you think of the, his selections? I think First it's... of all, what do you think of the pot noodles? <laughs> Questionable. I mean, I, I, I decided to spend some money and, you know, uh, get a takeaway. I think you could have you could have shelled out for something better. But uh, listen, everyone to their own taste. But uh, I think you've got a... I actually think you've got a very combustible... Uh, table and if there's any alcohol involved maybe uh, a few a few choice words uh, would be said because Diego thinks that he's the greatest that to ever play and Zlatan thinks the same and I'm sure the Canio has an opinion about himself as well so <laughs> I think uh, Bordiel might be uh, kind of in the background just kind of taking it all in uh, but yeah it's, it's a good table I, I think you'd have a, a really good time for sure yeah I, I, that's what I was going for definitely <laughs> Yeah, I think that would be one that um, you'd maybe have to get the camera crew in just to <laughs> prove that this stuff is actually going on. Uh, no, but it's, that sounds like a fantastic dinner party. One I would actually want an invite to. I don't know about you, Dave. I'd, I'd be wanting on sure. that invite list. Break, um, bring your yeah. own pot noodles, boys. <laughs> <laughs> well, Liam Tennant just comes in here to say Zlatan doesn't do pot noodles. <laughs> <laughs> he makes them. <laughs> <laughs> he probably invented them. Um, yeah, exactly. That was that was uh, that is definitely an, an interesting one, Stephen. It has been fantastic having you on today. Um, tell us where we can find you after this. Um, tell us a bit about your podcast. So basically, my podcast is called Endless Celts Podcast. It's on Twitter under that name. You can find us on that. We've been going for a little over six weeks. There's um, six of us that do it. My co-host John, 
he does the YouTube and Spotify side of things. He gets that up and running for me. So yeah, we're growing quite well. And Instagram with just reached over two thousand followers within the six week period, which is pretty pretty decent. Over there, we're called End the Sales News. So yeah, you can find us on YouTube and again End the Sales Podcast. Subscribe to us. All our content again, like you guys, is for as far as people who want a, a opinion, want to come on, vent frustrations. That's what I think these podcasts are great for. And yeah, we're, we're going quite well, and we do appreciate you having us on. Obviously, because we're quite new, we didn't expect it so early. But I mean, I think we already have a great relationship in terms of the the state of mind and the end the Celts mm-hmm. podcast. So I hope that keeps going, and we appear on many shows together. I think that'll be fantastic. Yeah, and you guys were joined by Natasha Miko last night, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, that, that was fantastic. Yeah, she, uh, after the podcast, she, um, we got a bit of grief from a certain guy uh, in regards to us attacking Roy King, but that that wasn't the case. I couldn't see his comments, but she was giving them both barrels, and it was fantastic. So, yeah, she, she was a great guest, loads of insight. We also had Russell Boyce on from State of Mind, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. Um, you're going to come on soon yourself, I hope. Yep. Um, yep. Same with you, David. You're invited as well. Um, <laughs> we've got Declan McConville coming on on Friday. You all know him from Celtic Fans TV and also appearing on State of Mind as well. So, yeah, everything's looking good. We had David Webb recently, the uh, director of football candidate for Celtic Football Club, so that was a great interview. If you want to listen to that, it's 30 minutes long. It's a great insight to what he does. But yeah, guys, uh, we do appreciate this having us on. It's been fantastic. I was absolutely ner- so nervous before this. I told you, so I didn't know how it was going to go. But yeah, I-, I enjoyed the format. And thanks very much, guys. Yeah, it's been a pleasure having you on, Stephen. And as I said, check out the, the podcast, at Endless Celts. Um, and you will see some of your Celtic State of Mind favourites over there. Um, over the next mm-hmm. few weeks so Stephen it's been a pleasure having you on we'll let you go now um, because we're going to do no a massive preview and a massive announcement <laughs> or you can hang around for the announcement if you want but it is a new podcast that is launching this Friday at 2pm on A State of Mind and it is hosted by none other than Mr Dave Claxon congratulations on your own podcast Dave yeah thanks man. congratulations big man that's an unbelievable lead in to be honest Whew, uh, I feel a lot of pressure now but uh Listen, it's it's brilliant. Uh, it's brilliant to be working with a, a state of mind and, and to be to be launching this uh, this podcast. So it actually it follows on from uh, obviously our conversation a, a couple of weeks ago, um, Colin. And the podcast is going to be called the Smart Money. Um, it's launching this Friday, at two p.m. UK uh, and Irish time. It's going to be a monthly show, uh, roughly the third Friday of each month, and it's going to focus on big ticket items uh, in football from a business perspective. So it's going to look at stuff like World Cup bids, uh, reforms to the game, such as the Champions League, and hopefully some interviews with some really interesting characters from the world of football with a bit of a business focus as well. Um, So in terms of this week, uh, we are going to be looking at uh, Ireland and the UK's uh, joint World Cup bid for 2030, discussing that in detail. Um, We're also going to be looking at reforms to the Champions League, um, and we're also going to be looking at digital memorabilia, um, which has really become a hot topic. Um, yep. A recent video of LeBron James dunking a basketball sold for over uh, $200,000. Um, yeah, wow. And maybe that's, that's the new path for, for fan kind of uh, engagement and memorabilia. And then finally, we're hoping to have a guest on uh, from China. So it's, it's a bit of a... a Colin, you're obviously joining us uh, on Friday. So we've got Scotland, we've got Boston, and we've got China in, in the house. Uh, so uh, hopefully our, our special guest can kind of join us. Uh, he has a background uh, in Chinese football and kind of uh, his own kind of focus in that area. 
and his own fears for the game in China as well. He, he wrote a piece re- recently um, that was very honest uh, about the problems in the Chinese game. So, yeah, that, that's it in a nutshell. Really looking forward to it. Um, so definitely uh, for, for anyone uh, interested in that type of thing, definitely uh, uh, check us out. Yeah, I'm just going to bring up some of the comments. Charles Sweeney saying David's a nice man. <laughs> He's not met you off this. I know that for a fact. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Duncan sounds like it's going to be good. Looking forward to the new show. Joe Porter coming in saying sounds great. And I'm sure um, there'll be lots of others tuning in this Friday at 2pm where you'll be joined by a sort of lower key guest than myself. Um, on Friday, all. I know there'll be bigger and better names joining you over the coming months, but definitely check that out. It's the Smart Money Podcast. It's launching on a state of mind this Friday at 2pm. Uh, we are going to wrap up here. Again, a big thank you to Stephen and to David for joining me on St. Patrick's Day as we look back at some of the Irish characters linked with the Celtic job, mainly Roy Keane. Maybe he's going to be the Aberdeen manager. We'll need to check Skybet after this to see where his odds <laughs> are sitting at. Um, but yeah, to both of you, thank you very much for joining me and to everyone in the comment section, thank you once again for joining me on the Football Insomniac. Next week, I'll be joined by Clyde One, Stephen Mill, and we'll take a look back at the last seven days in the world of football. But until then, take care, stay safe. live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.